0: I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to season 10 of the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and we are proud members of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I am so excited this week to focus our podcast around fitness training for junior tennis players. And I've gotten several requests from you listeners to do another podcast, really taking a deeper dive into fitness training and what kinds of things our junior athletes should be doing when they are not on the court hitting tennis balls. I want to just say quickly, pardon my voice. I've got some sort of allergy thing happening, so um, sorry about that. Also want to say up front, if you are listening to this podcast, I urge you to either go to ParentingAces.com or the Parenting Aces YouTube channel to watch the video version, because this week's guest, Dean Hollingworth, is going to be sharing video and showing specific exercises for kids to be doing. And you're just going to miss that if you're listening only to the audio version. So Again, the video, it will be on ParentingAces.com and also on the Parenting Aces YouTube channel. So without further ado, I am going to bring Coach Dean on the shot. Let me unmute you, Dean. Welcome from Canada. Um, I'm hoping you're having warmer weather up there and that COVID's under control up there now and all of those good things.
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm very flattered and uh, I really appreciate you having me on today. I'm really excited about this. And yes, we're having very warm weather. COVID is looking excellent and the Montreal Canadiens Hockey Club is going to the Stanley Cup. (laughs) Throw that out there.
0: All is good in your world.
1: All is very, very good right now. Yes. Thank you.
0: Awesome. So before we jump into this long list of questions that parents have submitted for you this week, Dean, why don't you give us a little bit of your background in training and specifically tennis training for young athletes?
1: Yeah, for sure. Listen, I've been involved in the tennis world for approximately 15 years now. I've been a strength and conditioning coach I say 20, I think I'm getting closer to 25 years now. I'm a master tennis performance specialist uh, with the ITPA. Uh, I'm on the board of education with PTR, Racket, Racket Fit certified also. Um, been working with players from the age of eight, 10 up to WTA players. I was lucky enough to travel with Eugenie Bouchard and most recently with Elena Vesnina, who, you know, before she gave birth, finished that part of her career, right, number one in doubles. So uh, I've been been extremely fortunate, as I've said, to really work with phenomenal people, phenom- phenomenal athletes, and it's really helped me uh, develop my skill and um, really excited to share uh, with you, with everyone today, um, you know, what I've experienced.
0: So, really quickly, Dean, um, I think you're a little fuzzy on my side. I don't know if if I look fuzzy on your side, your audio's no. fine, but the video's a little no. fuzzy.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you look good uh, i I'm not fuzzy here either, so okay. I, I apologize about that.
0: No, it could just be my connection, so I'm not gonna worry about it too terribly. And if it's for those of you watching, if it's fuzzy on your end, my apologies up front. um hopefully it'll clear up. And Dean, I want to just add that you and I first met at the WTCA conference in New York several years ago and connected through Facebook. And and I have been sharing your amazing video content on our Facebook and Instagram ever since we met, because I think you do great work. You um, are creative And you seem to have a very, very good understanding of the specifics that young tennis players need to keep their bodies fit and ready for competition. So um, that was why I reached out to you you to do this podcast. I, I, you know, I Mark Kovacs has been on the podcast in the past, and you mentioned ITPA—that's Mark's organization—and love him and have all the respect in the world for him. And am thrilled that we get to have another voice this time. So That's awesome. that said, let's jump in to these questions. <clears throat> yes, uh, it's a please, long list, go. as I mentioned. So first question, and I, I've got my list in, in front of me here, so <laughs> yes. um, I'm cheating a little means. bit. No. Um, first, first question, how much non-hitting training should juniors do? Yeah,
1: that, that's, that's a question that comes up more often than not. Um, I I seem to get asked that so, especially by the parents, you know, how, how much time should my young athlete spend either in the gym or off court working on specific movement patterns? Um, You know, first of all, I, I would say that it kind of changes as as the junior athlete gets a little older. When when you're working with 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds, like the, the really junior of the juniors, even eight, you know, we, we want to do some extra work, 10, 15 minutes, nothing too much. We, want, we really want it to be playful. We want them to learn. We want them to enjoy it. it. It's not something where I see a lot of structure at that young age. And when I mean no structure, I mean you let them – Learn through experience through the process of moving as they start getting older. Then I start feeling like now we have to start becoming a little more serious in terms of developing that tennis specific movement patterns that are essential for junior players for any player. For that fact, that your warm up just taking a slight step back your warm up should really incorporate some of this. You know, I, I truly believe that if a warm up does not have any. Specific patterns in it that the athlete will be performing on court prior to getting on court, then that warm up is really lacking. So, having said that, I think you know, if you can somehow perform 30 minutes of movement training three to four times a week, and I would highly encourage uh, parents that. It should be done prior to practice. If if your child is going on court for an hour and a half, two hours, coming off afterwards, trying to develop specific motor skills, trying to develop acceleration, explosiveness, that does not work. You know, you want to do it when the athlete is fresh. So definitely – Um, you know, three, four, even five times a week, depending on how much time the athlete's putting on the court, because that's one thing we have to be concerned about is this load, this volume that tennis players seem to just get pounded with. You know, it's a repetitive sport. And it's not surprising sometimes that, you know, the shoulders, the back, the knee injuries, especially with young kids that are developing, we have to be smart. We have to be smart with our loading phase. We have to be smart with the amount of time that they're putting on. You know, I'm a firm believer that less is more. I'd rather see an athlete be on the court for an hour and a half working hard than three hours of, you know, work that isn't truly up to par. So I think 30 minutes, three to five times a week on court, you know, not on court, but on court type of drills, movement drills. And then as the athlete gets older, then we really have to look into developing that young athlete in a more, Physical sense, meaning starting to work out. Now, the workout doesn't have to be hours in a gym whatsoever. If if you go in, you work hard, it's well planned out. Two to three times a week, you know, 40 minutes, 45 minutes tops. I don't even like being in the gym that long. I will not ask someone else to stay in the gym for that amount of time.
0: Got it. Okay. And we're going to get more specific as we go. So those of you listening slash hopefully watching, um, Mm -hmm. be patient with us. We've got lots of questions to get through. Um, So next question, should juniors attend specific agility speed facilities that seem to be popping up all over the place? Oh,
1: you know, that's not an easy question to answer from the standpoint that it really depends on the facility. You know, I've seen some facilities where, where they do phenomenal work. And I've also seen the other side of that coin, whereas they have one trainer for numerous kids. Uh, often it's it's a very young coach that, that's just come into the business and has been told what to do. And it's more along the lines of barking out orders than actually um, helping the young athletes become better athletes, and you know, correcting and and showing proper technique. So, um, I I I can't say yes or no because it really depends on on the situation and and the facility itself. And one of the things with tennis is that I I have seen some kids go to very reputable uh, facilities that that teach speed and agility, but. Tennis is a different animal. It, it, it's, it's, it's different. You know, you have to incorporate the split step. You have to incorporate specific movement patterns. It's, it's not the same thing as, as, as the other sports. So if you're going to try and find someone to help your young athlete, I, I really think having that tennis background and that and that knowledge of the sport with, with the complement of being, you know, a developer of athletes – that would be the best scenario because I've never told a parent that I'm going to make their child a better tennis player. I've never said that. I've, I have said every time I will help them become a better athlete because the better athlete you have, the better tennis player you're going to uh, see.
0: So that is exactly in line with what I am hearing from top coaches all over the place, which is develop the athlete first, the tennis player second.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it's true. And, you know, on, on that, on that topic, Lisa, you know, it's, it's not just these facilities. I, I have kids that go to universities and, and they come back and they're like, wow, the, the coach, the, the poor fitness coach, he, he, he's with the football team. He's trying to train us like football players and <laughs> yep. it's, it's not, and it's not working. And let me say this, this is, I'm not talking about a D2. I mean, I've heard this from some D high level D1 colleges where it's the assistant um, football uh, strength and conditioning coach working with the women's or the men's tennis team. And it's just not meshing.
0: Right, right. So I'm going to skip down the list um, because you brought it up. How do you find the right fitness coach? Oof, that that's
1: that that that's that's the that's the big big question.
0: Yeah, I think
1: I think the best way to do it is a ask ask around ask other parents. Someone's must have found somebody that they're happy with, um, and once you find someone, I think it's important for the parents for the first couple of lessons to actually go and watch what this what this trainer is doing with your child and, and see, I mean, if it feels right and it looks right, then it's probably right. And, and check their background, see what their experience is. I mean, do they have experience with tennis players? You know, do they have the certification, you know, of being a certified strength and conditioning coach of being a certified tennis professional of being a certified speed and agility coach? Cause there's a lot of, lot of great organizations out there that do the certifications and at least I would want to see somebody that has taken the time to invest in themselves to reinvest in the athlete
0: yeah I love that and I I know that you know these certifications some of them you know are mail order pay your 150 bucks and get your certificate but the ones that you're mentioning are much more in-depth in terms of the training that the coach needs to do Uh, the type of testing that they undergo in order to gain Mm -hmm. the certification. And so these are reputable, as you said, organizations, ITPA, um, you know, certified strength and conditioning coach. Um, These are organizations that I think parents should feel comfortable trusting that certification, that it is going to at least give the coach a basic level of knowledge to uh, at at the very least not injure your child which you know we we all have seen and heard those stories of kids getting really badly hurt in the gym yeah,
1: yeah. I, if, well you know the stats don't lie 70% of injuries in the gym are usually due to a lack of supervision uh, right there i mean that's not right and then also just doing too much too soon and not doing what's appropriate for the young athlete i mean you know, fortunately and unfortunately now with social media, uh, you get to watch a lot of different type of exercises. And, and you know, some of it's just it's not right. It's wrong. It, it It's being produced for likes. It's being produced for extra, you know, followers because it mm-hmm. looks cool. And at the end of the day, I mean, you know, keep it simple, stupid. I mean, that's that's the truth. You know, the kiss principle and the basics will get you further than, than all the coolest exercises because you know what, what, um, what a high level tennis player is doing today is not appropriate for your 12 year old. That's the bottom line. What they were doing when they're 12, that would be more appropriate. I mean, I've seen it, I've seen it in gyms where you know hockey's huge in Montreal. So, you know, this, this one young boy I'll never forget this is training, and then the parent, you know, I go to a parent and I say, I, I don't want to you know, butt in here too much, but it's, it's not appropriate. And the father said to me, Oh, well, this, this is a training program of a NHL player. Well, you've proven my point. Uh, you know, your, your, your 12 year old son is not an NHL athlete at this point. So, you know, again, simple and pay attention to detail. I mean, I, I don't think the detail can be overstated in this, in this, this case. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Agree. Agree. Um, okay. Next question. What weight lifts are most important to tennis?
1: Okay. So I think again, this really depends on our age groups and, you know, I can show you videos of, of some of my younger athletes working out uh, and doing very basic, basic exercises. I think people have to realize that the human body performs a push, a pull, a squat, a hinge, Rotation and locomotion. That That's how you should be training the body. It, you know, if if you have a 12 or 14-year-old son or daughter and the trainer is putting together something that looks like a bodybuilding plan to do chest and back one day, biceps and triceps, and that, that's not it. We want exercises that are really going to incorporate the full body. Um, as the athlete gets older, then we can start becoming a little more um, – you know, not creative, but for lack of a better word, you know, advanced in their their training programs from the standpoint that, please, please learn how to squat. You know, do a squat first, do a a split squat first, you know, uh, lateral lunges before you start jumping off of things and loading it up. I mean, that's what I want to see. When I get a 15-year-old athlete, I want to make sure that they know all the basics before we go any further with it. And it's not because you're 12 that you shouldn't be doing something that someone's that's 15. You know, fitness is like, is like maturation. You can have two 12 year olds, but one's more mature and has grown quicker. And the other one is less mature and and not, not at the same level, but it's the same thing for fitness, Lisa, because listen, at the end of the day, if I get a 15 year old and I just got a I, I just started working with a 16 year old female athlete tennis player. And she's never been in the gym before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the program that the 12 year old or the 10 year old is doing is appropriate. So it, it really comes down to listen, what's their age in terms of fitness experience.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: and then that, that could start, you know, building upon that. And again, this is really important. Step by step, take your time with it and, and, and develop the precision that you want to see. Sorry.
0: Let me, let me just clarify then. So I, what I hear you saying, Dean is the first step is to perform, learn how to perform the basic moves properly with just your own body weight, not adding weights, no barbells, no bands, no nothing, just your own body weight. Do you know how to lunge properly? Do you know how to squat properly? Do you know how to rotate your hips, your trunk without causing injury, without, Complicating the move and and stressing the wrong parts of the body at the wrong time. And then once you have those basic movements perfected, that's when you start adding the load, the weight or the resistance or the height or, you know, adding in plyometrics, things like that. Yeah, one hundred percent. And it and it's
1: not big and you can start loading up a young athlete too, because I know that's one of the questions I'm sure it is. is Yeah, it 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 always is, you know. Is it okay to load, you know, my young junior player? Well, I I don't see anything wrong with a ten-year-old holding a ten-pound weight and doing an extra squat. They walk around with their with their tennis bags, with their school bags that weigh way more than this, you know? And then when you talk about doing perhaps a one-arm press, I mean, that's way easier than doing push-ups. You know, yeah. or, or, or we have to use our heads with this. It's not because it's a body weight exercise that it's so much easier. Push-ups are darn hard. And if you watch most of the junior players, they butcher, they, they, they but, you know, they're not done that well, yeah. unfortunately. And when you ask them to do it well, they can pop out maybe, you know, depending on the athlete, but traditionally, you know, it's less than 10, so... Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And I think, you know, again, that word load. So just to clarify for our viewers and listeners load means adding extra weight beyond the body weight um, or adding resistance beyond just the, the athlete's body weight. So it would be weights. It would be resistance bands, tubes, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Traditionally, Um,
1: sorry. Traditionally for me, with the younger athletes, I'll have them, especially if we're looking between the ages of 10 and 12, you know, I don't really need weights. The resistant bands will do what you need to need to be done for the athlete in order for them to get stronger. I mean, we have a phenomenal 10 year old girl in our, in our, in our, in our system. She's been with me now for two years. So her squat is clean. Her, her, her lunges are clean. So when she does squats, I have no problem with her holding a 10, 12 pound weight. I mean, she does it perfectly you're not going to injure, you're not going to stunt growth or anything like that. Cause I know that's one of the things, lifting weights, people, you know, you don't stunt the growth. If anything, you're helping, you're helping the muscles become stronger. You're, you're fortifying the ligaments, the tendons, and it's just going to give them a better battle going forward.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. Okay. Um, what footwork drills are best for young athletes, young tennis oh, players?
1: Yeah. And you know, this is a question and my answer is just going to really irritate p- people because <laughs>
0: no, because I, I'm it, counting on it, Dean.
1: Yeah, it, it really is because you know, it's, it depends on the athlete because it's not just, you know, when I develop a program for for, for a person. It's not just, okay, what is the flavor of the month? What is the exercise of the month? And let's just throw it out there and 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 let's see what happens. You know, it, the athlete comes to me, we do a full evaluation, whether it's, you know, with the FMS or racket fit, and then some movement patterns to put them through. And I want to see what, what they're good at and what where they need help. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I will start selecting exercises, you know, what will help them with a better change of direction? What will help them get out of the split step faster? What will help them get to the net if there's a drop shot? But having said that, and we, we said, we're going to have videos and, and yeah, I better do it now because I don't want people calling me a liar. Um, it's just loading up here and and I'm going to show you some, you know, some really simple, really drills that you can do, um, and this is, this right here is one of my favorite ones. Uh, these videos use unique code. Oh, it's not allowing it. Uh-oh. Wow, that's weird, eh?
0: Yeah, it was allowing it's... it before.
1: Wow. We it's did not... test
0: this all out we before did we test this uh, out. started Sorry. recording.
1: No. Wow, that's really funny. It's not allowing us to do it now. I truly, truly, let me try another video because I got okay. only, I only chose about 50 for today. <laughs> And now I, I'm not joking. I spent a good hour, uh, selecting different types of, of videos that would allow us to go over some stuff. Um, let's try this one.
0: All right. While you're doing thing, that,
1: I really uh-oh. apologize. Yeah. That is so, so bizarre. It's not a, That is very bizarre. So I'm going to do my best right now to try and, and describe it. So
0: you can always stand up and do the exercise for it.
1: <laughs> I don't think I have enough room in my, uh, in my office, but you know, um, on my website, uh, BaselinePower.com, dot I'm only saying this now. I do have video series that 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 can be purchased that has all the videos that I was going to show you, and and I have one that's just called Everything Hurdles, and I love the one where we put three hurdles out, and and you go back and forth, high knees, really working hard, uh, creating a box, and just just working, you know, sprint, shuffle, backpedal. I think backpedaling. For, for tennis players is really important. They, they seem to be, a lot of the juniors often seem very awkward in keeping their balance, not knowing how to drop the hips properly. And quite honestly, some of the best drills are just basically putting two cones, asking the athlete to focus on their split step, you know, and, and, crossing over or shuffling and mixing it up and coming back as as quickly as possible and making sure that, you know, their, their base, when they're starting, we want to see an athlete that's, that's in a good athletic base. When we start, I think often when I'm watching tennis practice, I see too many kids standing around, like they're waiting for the bus and, you know, the ball's coming. And then, you know, you wonder why, um, your, your, your athlete doesn't have the best first step explosion. Well, they're not in a position to explode forward. They're, they're standing tall. How do you move properly? And it's really my belief that that first step when you take off is the most important. Listen, we're not running a hundred meter race here. We're running, uh, you know, it,
0: you short know, sprints. A, a three
1: short three to sprints. four you know, three to yeah. four or five meters, maybe max. And if you're slow out of the gate, it's, unless you're truly gifted, it's really hard to make up that distance, you know, at the beginning. And then if,
0: can I interrupt you one sec? Can you explain the athletic base, what you mean by that? So the athletic
1: base really is, is it's almost like a, it's almost like a squat position, a quarter squat. So you don't want the feet too wide apart because you're not going to get a great push up. You don't want the feet close together because I mean, you have no balance there. The feet, in my, in, you know, the way I teach it, the the feet are just slightly wider than shoulder height. The knees are bent, like let's say a quarter squat. The hips are forward because you'll see some, you'll see some athletes, uh, some junior athletes, go into a squat and have those knees like shoot forward. We don't want that. We don't want the the knees, the hips go back. The heels are slightly off the ground and they're active and ready to to take off and, and, and do what's asked to be done mm-hmm. because if we look, sorry, if we look at the research, 70% of balls that, a, that a player will, will receive towards them is within a 2.5 meter radius. So if we can get really good at that three meter bubble around us, that's 75% of the shots. I mean, if you can get there, be ready with your racket in order to attack that ball. And every second counts. I'm telling you, you'll definitely win more points than you lose. I love
0: that. I love that. All right. Moving on.
1: I'm what? really sorry about the videos. I t- no, I, I truly feel bad about that. I d- that was, that's really weird. I don't know yeah. because it's being, reco- maybe because it's being recorded anyway. No, okay. that shouldn't Storms. make a difference,
0: but um, maybe we'll try again in a few minutes. Maybe okay. it's just an internet thing. Who knows? Um, okay. Uh, what are some dynamics? Uh, well, I don't know what that means exactly. What are some dynamics a junior player on hiatus can do while recovering from injury? So I guess maybe dynamic stretching or dynamic exercises yeah. or just stretches and exercises in general, maybe. Well, that um, would
1: depend on the injury also. So, you know, if, if let's, let's take ankle just, just, just for an example, you know, okay. if Because I find ankles are something that are that are interesting from the standpoint that yes, the junior athletes will get ankle sprains, you know, even if you step on a ball, you sprained your ankle. Yeah, I find a lot of times that the junior athletes or any athlete does not recover properly from this. Yes, the pain's gone. I've put ice on it. I'll tape it for a while. But I think the really important thing is the strengthening of the ankle again to come back. We have to keep one thing in mind, or maybe more than one thing, hopefully today, is that the number one predictor of injury is past injury. So once you've sprained your ankle, that ankle... Say that
0: again, because that's important.
1: The number one predictor of injury is past injury. So if you've had a hip flexor pull, if you've sprained your ankle, if you've hurt your lower back, I don't want to say that's going to be a weak spot, but that's something you really have to pay attention to. So, um, you know, strengthening that ankle, whether it's just standing on one bare foot, closing your eyes or trying to stand on a BOSU to get the proprioception back, doing, you know, um, calf raises. Um, I, I, I just posted on this a couple of days ago on Instagram. So a lot of these exercises I'm talking about in my defense now will are on my Instagram page. Um, what is
0: your Instagram page? So we can. It's
1: underscore baseline power underscore.
0: I'm putting At, it up on yeah, screen. Thank you. Okay. Keep talking. I'm going to put it yeah. up.
1: So, you know, um, yes, yeah, so it really depends on the injury. You know, if it's a shoulder injury, it's the same thing um, we have to work the shoulder when it's there. And yes, the, the, the question is also how do I maintain that mobility and stability? And it's too bad because I have this beautiful, uh, mobility flow. It's eight minutes that I think is essential, uh, for any athlete. I mean, especially tennis with so much dependent on the rotation of the thoracic spine, which is your upper back, the, the, the hips have to be mobile and if we don't have those segments mobile then other areas of the body are going to be asked to perform tasks that they don't want to do so just quickly you know your middle back is supposed to be mobile your low your lower back is meant to be stable and then underneath it your hips are meant to be mobile guess what if the hips become tight that lower back is now asked to do something it does not want to do it does not it's not meant to rotate so these are things that we have to keep in mind
0: Love it. Love it. What is a good upper body strengthening technique to make shoulders stronger for a better swing?
1: So (laughs) I am really, um, going to try and find out how to find these, um, these, uh, these exercises, because this is where I had had, you know, I chose video file here. Um, then it's not coming up. So
0: yeah, if we can't make them work, maybe you can email me uh, links and I can uh, include the links in the show notes. Yeah,
1: for sure. I will. I'd be more than happy. I can, I'll load them up somewhere. So, you know, the one thing about that question that I find really interesting is that, you know, how do I strengthen the shoulder to have a better, to, to have a better swing? Well, the the first thing that comes to mind is if you're really thinking that the shoulder is producing the power in order to pro- you know to produce a strong forehand. <laughs>
0: I was yeah, so hoping you would say this. Okay. You, go. Yeah,
1: you are going to have shoulder problems. I mean yeah. it's as simple. Yeah, it's not allowing me, damn it. It's as simple it's as simple as that. You know, everybody has to realize. That power production comes from the ground up through the legs, through the hips, a strong core into our swing forward. Yes, you need a good, you need a strong shoulder in order to maintain that ability to swing, to decelerate. You know, the traditional exercises, again, you know, your external rotation at 90 degrees, zero degrees, anything, uh, with a band, you know, coming into an X uh, on a, on a Swiss ball, doing T's and Y's. Those, those exercises are truly, truly important.
0: Right. And what you just were talking about, about power starting from the ground up is what's called the kinetic chain. And yes. so understanding the kinetic chain, can you tell, I used to be a fitness instructor, yeah. um, <laughs> Um, Understanding the kinetic chain and how it impacts your child's ability to perform well on the court is crucial to everything else that we're talking about today. You don't, as, as Dean just said, a strong shoulder does not make a stronger swing. It's got to start from the ground up. Things like making sure the feet are well-stretched and well-cared for. And, and that's a part of the body that's often really neglected, right, is the feet. So starting the warm-up by just putting the, the bare foot on a tennis ball and rolling the tennis ball underneath the foot to loosen up the muscles of the, of the foot so that you can have that stability on the ground to set up for the rest of the chain to kick in and do its job. I mean, it, it's simple stuff. As you keep saying, Dean, none of this is rocket science. It's just understanding how the body works. And so many of us don't have that knowledge because we're never taught that. Mm hmm.
1: I, I love what you said about, you know, starting with the you know, rolling the foot. I, I think that's essential. You know, when you think about what makes contact with the ground foot, it is our foot. And if we don't care for the feet, then, you know, it could be the weak, the weak link in the kinetic chain. And, and we don't want any weak links. And, and that's why I really encourage all the athletes I work with is our dynamic warm-up is done barefoot, You know, everything from the, you know, the world's greatest stretch lunges, um, any of those exercises, please do it barefoot. You're, you're strengthening your foot. You're, you're, you're getting the, this, the information from the ground. It's being sent up and back down. It's really important. And I, I would, I would encourage if you have time to please foam roll the body prior to going on court too. I mean, it's, it's the more you do, the more you're going to benefit from it.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all just preparation for play, right? And preparation for injury prevention because the, the better prepared your body is before you exert it, mm-hmm. the less likely you are to get injured. I mean, aside from stepping on a tennis ball, which is just one of those funny yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, but I think, and well said, Lisa. I mean, it, we should be encouraging the athletes to do a well thought out warm up. You know, that involves some foam rolling that involves elastics to activate the body that involves exercises to prepare for the rigors of tennis, to do some shuffling, some crossover, some sprints. I don't want my athletes first sprint coming on a tennis court when they have to chase a ball. I want them really ready for anything that, 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 they, that they will be faced with.
0: And I, that leads to just kind of, I'm just going to jump in here, but yeah. In the, the child's tennis bag, there should be bands. There should be a tube, at least one resistance level of tubing in the in the tennis bag. You can now buy the pretty short foam rollers. Um, Amazon Mm -hmm. sells them. I think we have a link in our Amazon shop. Um, If you go to amazon.com slash parenting aces, I think there's a link to a shorter foam roller in there that should be in the trunk that should go with you every day to practice every tournament um, in the hotel room, wherever. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and it's just simple things. You don't need to schlep around 25 pound weights. You know, if you have these other things with you to get the body ready to play
1: hundred percent. And I'd like to add also, you know, um, a lacrosse ball, a, uh, you know, a baseball, also the, the smaller elastics that you can put around your ankles to activate the, the glutes and, and the hip flexor and, and the lower body. I mean, that, that should be standard for everybody.
0: Love it. Love it. All right. So talking of resistance bands, yes. what are some specific exercises that, you think are most effective for junior players?
1: So I really enjoy using resistive bands uh, with with the athletes, and it's not only uh, you know people often associate the resistive the bands with getting stronger, but it's also to assist the athlete in learning how to move better. Also, so I I really enjoy having the athletes perform a specific tennis movement like let's say a split step crossover into an open stance forehand, but holding the elastic and having them work away from me. I think that's really essential. It teaches them how to produce better ground force reaction to move towards the ball. And I think the, the other side of that coin is also I'll pull them into their open stance. So once they finish finish hitting the ball or you know a shadow swing, they're forced into deceleration. And I don't think we talk about deceleration enough because we often people just want, I want to get faster. I want to get there quicker. Well, that's really good. The, the faster car you have, the bigger engine you develop, you better have the brakes to go with it because you just don't want to be flying by and missing out on the opportunity to come back. Really great. You, you, you got to the ball, you got it to the other side. You have to be ready for the next shot. So having said that, you know, I'll tie I'll tie the elastic around a pole, put it around around the athlete's weight, and and they just do bounds. Like they bound towards and they really have to push away hard. Bound towards and push away hard. those, Those exercises alone will will really I guarantee you'll see a better movement pattern starting to come about.
0: And again, videos of all these exercises are on Dean's Facebook and Instagram. So please check those out. I'm Apologizing on Dean's behalf because we we really had this set up before we started it was, recording. It was
1: really really. Great. It was working yes.
0: properly, and now all of a sudden it's not. But um, please go to his Instagram or Facebook and and check out those exercises. He's he's got such a variety there. Um, okay.
1: Can so, I try something? Would you mind if I tried course. something here?
0: Let not me at just all. See something. Here.
1: Let's see if I share my entire oh, screen. No, it's here. coming.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah, but now I have to find. Um, I have to be able to get, uh, I don't know how to, yeah, I don't know. If you pull it up
0: on your Facebook, can you pull it up on your Facebook?
1: Um, let me see here. What do you see right now?
0: Well, I don't have it on the screen, so I'm, um,
1: yeah, yeah. Let me, yeah, let me see something here. No, it's, it's not doing it. I apologize again. Sorry. Well,
0: do you, well, wait a minute. Go, go do that again. Because when you were flipping through, I can see what you're doing, but I don't have it up on the screen for everybody to see. So if you share your screen again, oh, so, God, there you go. So that's not, okay. the,
1: that's, that's not the, for some, for some reason. There this we go. Is,
0: okay. So let's,
1: you know, what, we're talking about change of direction. We're talking about rotational nice. athletes. This is something that, I've incorporated quite a bit into my training with squat jumps. So I think she's holding a med ball to make the exercise a little better. But if you notice the beginning of that squat jump, you know, it's a squat jump to 180 degree rotation. What does that look like? looks like a backhand. It looks like a forehand in neutral stance. It looks
0: hard is what it it looks to me. Yeah.
1: (laughs) She's making it look really, really easy. God bless her. So that, that's one of the exercises that I think would be really good. And maybe another one.
0: Whoops. Now I just lost you. Uh Oh, (laughs) I just lost Dean altogether. I'm hoping he's going to log back in and uh, get back here. I think he closed the wrong tab on his computer, but um, hopefully we're going to get him back. So I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to put Dean's website back up on the screen. Here it is, baseline power. There he is. Sorry, sorry. sorry. <laughs> yeah, you oh, disappeared bad. on us for a yeah, minute.
1: Yeah, trying hard here to uh, to get some videos going. So let me just no see here. Um,
0: I don't know what you did last time, but it was perfect.
1: Yeah, you know, I just, it's funny. I chose the same the same video that we used last time, but for some reason, some of the videos are not... Uh, are not being allowed to to play. Like oh, now they are. No, no, Look at that. Go. I think you were right, Lisa. So here we go. You know, you want to talk about change of direction, developing a full athlete. This exercise right here. We're going bound bound to a you know a box jump, and you can see you, you think about change of direction as the athlete's doing this to a power move hit and jump phenomenal exercise, uh, also for the, for the young athletes. And I think we're on a roll here. I ain't stopping. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Bring Sorry. some more on. <laughs> um, here I I'd like to go back now. You see that one's not allowed to play. I don't know why certain ones, that's the interesting thing here. I don't know why certain files are being allowed to play because they're all done with my iPhone. Um, Weird. you know, it's really, really weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of movement, boy, I hope this one plays and it does it. So we're lucky we found a few, I don't want to go through all of them. Lisa, I will set something up for the people again. I, I okay. feel trim, you know, very, very bad about this, but no, um, you don't. know, uh, split step off, split step on start squats, resisted starts. If we could see this, this would be good. And it's not going. So, all right, we're, we're going to end up. You,
0: do you, by chance, have a video of your pre-practice, pre-match, stretching, warm-up? Yes, I do. Or yes,
1: Let's yes, see. I absolutely do. Because this
0: is one of those questions I get all the time. Like, what should yeah. my child be doing before they step foot on the court? So, yeah, it's not playing, unfortunately, okay. that one. That's okay. I
1: truly apologize because it is a three-part series. On that, so you know, I think that the, the warm up should last anywhere between, it, at, you know, twenty minutes for sure. You know, a, mm-hmm. a warm up of ten minutes, I you can't cover any everything. I like starting off with something really easy. It's almost like a concert that's building. You know, it, we start with ground based exercises, so we do a couple of sleeper holds for the shoulder, some yoga poses, you know, up downward dog, cobra's, things like that, working our mobility, and then going into more dynamic stuff, you know, like our knee hugs and and our ankle grabs and the world's greatest stretch, stuff like that.
0: Wait, what's the world's greatest stretch? This is the first time I'm hearing this term. The world's greatest stretch is really when,
1: yeah, it's when you have a long lunge in front of you and then, you know, you get that long lunge. So I step out with my left leg I hold that gives me a good hip flexor stretch. My right hand comes down towards the ground. I drop my left elbow up. I will, I will send this to you hundred percent and you do the rotation both sides. I know
0: exactly what you're talking about. Okay. I just never
1: heard it called that. Yeah. Mark for was the first person that I ever saw use it. You know, the owner of uh, Exos uh, or the founder of Exos, I should say. And, um, You know, it was called the world's greatest stretch and it just stuck (laughs) with me. And and
0: I I tell,
1: I tell the kids jokingly, I said, listen, there, there could be times when you arrive at a tournament, you know, you have to get on court right away. Maybe there's traffic. Who knows? They've changed times. Do the world's greatest stretch. You cover almost all the bases with it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So this, this one A parent emailed me and said, you know, I need something for my kids to do in 15 minutes while I'm making their breakfast, fixing their lunches, blah, 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 before I drop them off at tennis. I want it to become automatic, but I don't know what they should be doing each day, every day to prevent injury. So are there specific things that should be in the morning routine every day that are going to help prepare the body for practice and play?
1: I think that goes back to what we were just discussing essentially. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like performing half your warm up at the house. You know, it yeah. could be, it could be uh, five to six minutes of foam rolling followed by some mobility exercises, again, working the thoracic spine, working the hips. Uh, and then when you get there, you know, having the body ready that you can go into some movement patterns right away. Right? You, you don't want to get on the court, not having moves. So again that mobility flow which i will send to you would be perfect you know and mm-hmm. if if they want to do their elastics in the house uh, uh, prior to it i think that's important too but i i love the idea of getting ready prior to to getting to the facility i think that's brilliant
0: it is and and one thing i'll just add to that is if you have a long drive so they've done this stuff at home and then they're sitting in the car for 20 30 45 minutes yeah they kind of have to start over when they get there. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, sitting is, is just, brutal it's the worst. on the Yeah. It's the, you know, it's called the new smoking sitting. So um, it, you don't, yeah, I think that's a great point. Don't, don't warm up and then sit in the car for a half hour and think you're ready to go. You're going to have to yeah. do something. You may be a little further ahead. I wouldn't say it's, you know, uh, z- worth zero, but I don't think it's worth everything you might think. I mean, especially in the winter, like up here in yeah. Montreal in the winter, Forget it. I mean, the car, the car is only warming up by the time you get to the club. So right. uh, you're frozen already.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this next question, I think we've touched on how safe is weight training and conditioning before puberty. I think we've talked about that and, you know, that it really depends on the child and their athletic abilities and how long they've been doing all this stuff and what their technique is and you know, have they perfected those basic movement patterns? Um, so we don't need to rehash that. Um, I, I would, I would like to add something to that because oh, yeah. you, you touched
1: on it. it. It's not just their age. It's also their level of maturity and their ability to take, you know, to follow instructions because you, you could be 12 year. I've had, I have had 12, 12 year old, you know, boys and girls that are just like, I had a, you know, boom, right there present. You ask them to do something. It's done. It's not even a question. They're into it. They're focused that they're, they're doing it with purpose and intent where you could have another 12 year old boy or girl. And you know, I wouldn't give them away, you know, at (laughs) all. No, but it's, and it has
0: nothing to do with the fact that they have or have not gone through puberty. It has to do with their emotional maturity is what you're saying yes a
1: hundred percent it's the emotional maturity that's important in that
0: case okay love that how many days a week and how long should a player be doing off-court fitness for the different age groups so we alluded to this a little bit at the beginning Mm -hmm. but can we get really specific so starting you know under 12 then the 13 14 age range 15 16
1: 17 18 yeah i think for the younger kids especially you know as as the as the uh, young athlete matures you know if we look at the long-term athletic development you know when they're younger they're like sponges you know it get things get introduced it's much easier to to learn it's much easier to develop their athletic ability so I would really want to to challenge them as much as possible with drills that are not Tennis related. I think we got to get out of that mindset that everything has to be tennis oriented with a twelve to thirteen year old. And I, and I think you know, uh, my question would be, how often do you go to the club? You know, if you're going three times a week, then I think you know, if it's if it's three times a week, then you can fi- you can find you can find sorry you can find there we go sorry uh, call was coming through we can find. Um, time for them to do so i think you know for 10 to 12 year old athletes i i find depending again on the maturity level some of them can do a full hour of, of fitness of moving drills because they love it and, and they're experiencing my goodness i had an eight-year-old girl um come see me this week and i asked the mother i said you think she's going to be able to last an hour and she's she says well we'll see you know and she was phenomenal. I mean it, it just blew my mind. Everything she was into it. She could have lasted much longer. I think less is better. So for that age group, I would say, you know, 30 minutes, 3 to 4 times a week. Again, depending on the athleticism of of your child, maybe they need to be caught up a little more. That's why I think, you know, for the younger kids, it's important to to play various sports in order to learn the different movement skills. The, the ABCs that we need as we go up, I think as we start getting older, then we have to start spending more time in terms of not only being off court agility exercises or change of direction exercises, But now we have to start thinking about some gym time also. And mm-hmm. I, I would say, you know, a, a full hour when, when I get some individuals to come see me and we work for a full hour, we can get everything done in an hour. And but it, it, it's got to be chop chop you know yeah. it, it's it's not listening to music and hanging out and talking or texting with your friends everything Focus. you can get it yeah you know get in get the warm up done do some speed training do some change of you know do some speed training do a, a some plyometric jumps you know just some jump uh, training to to get the the power going then you know 20 25 minutes of of change of direction because we don't, we don't want to overdo it because if you think you're going to be able to work on speed and agility for one full hour, I, I think you're, you're kidding yourself. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work and, and it's draining and exhausting. And yeah. one of the things I really want to throw out there that I think is truly important for parents to know is that when you're doing these exercises with your children, they have to have enough time to recover. You know, it, it's not do the bunch of drills as quickly as possible without any breaks the, the the athlete can't be sucking air going into a drill if you want them to perform at a high level. It's not a conditioning exercise, it's 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 a speed development or an agility exercise. So they need enough time. And then
0: also they're more likely to get hurt if you don't yeah, give them that recovery time because well, they're gonna get sloppy in their execution.
1: Exactly. And and we don't you know what? That's a great point because when, when performing these exercises, it's just as important the technique as it would be to hitting a great surf. I mean, it's, you right. know, th- these are skills that can be learned. You know, sprinting is a skill. Change of direction is a skill that can be learned by the athletes. And then as you start getting up a little, as we start getting older, then that gym time has to increase. And and it's not just – I think an hour of fitness, an hour 15 of fitness is great. You know, I wouldn't go two hours of fitness. I, I, I personally would want to, like, just – throw myself off a building but you know i'd rather do it on a more regular basis like five times a week i think you have to find that time again depending on when you're playing tennis the other side of this coin that's extremely important is that this some work has to be done before tennis if your child and we talked about this already if your child's going to be playing two hours don't expect them to become faster doing X speed drills or plyometrics. Now. It's actually in a research paper that they show that this type of work done prior is more beneficial than being done at the end. So if I can just have like 20 seconds here, speed work is done first with the plyometrics. That's, that's number one. If you want to work on some speed and agility drills, fine. Then go play your tennis. And then if you want to play tennis again in the afternoon, or if, if you're doing a split, you know, day, Fine. Then after that, you do your weight training. After that, you do your conditioning and then you do your recovery work.
0: Okay, perfect. I love that. And, you know, I just want to throw this out there to you because you were talking about with the younger kids um, and the different movement things. How important is it to take kids to the park, to the playground and let them swing and do the monkey bars and play tag in a field and all of those things that you and I grew up doing that kids don't seem to be growing up doing anymore.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think it's really important. I think it's important, you know, to allow them to just put a, go put a ball out there and allow them to have fun without any adult supervision. I'm not saying leave your kids in the park and leave (laughs) or anything like that's really wrong. No, Don't
0: do that. Yeah,
1: Don't do that. But I'm saying without standing and always watching and coaching, you know, it, it's sometimes kids want to be kids and they should be kids. That's important. And it's the same thing with tennis. Like let Sometimes it's just let them play for fun without having to play a match and then worrying about that. Oh, I lost in the car ride home and, and what's going to happen with that. You can learn so much more when you're having fun and it's just coming natural because you know, especially depending on the age, self-learning, self-taught, just through different movement patterns is 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 very viable. Yes.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, next question: Is it better to train in a group or one-on-one, or does that, it depend?
1: Well, <laughs> it seems like every answer depends. Yep. Um, you yep. know, if I I actually like a small group. I, I, I I love one-on-one because that athlete gets all the attention. The thing with one-on-one is if I'm working with you, Lisa, and you do a drill, you have to rest, you know? So if there's another athlete, the other athlete can do the exercise. And then we start getting a bit of a, you know, a better rest to work ratio. Um, especially if the athletes are of the same level, I don't think you'd want to pair your, your son or daughter with somebody that is, you know, not as good or, you know, of a much lower level that needs more attention. So it really, again, yeah, it depends. I would not, you know, in our, in our sports study program, I got 20 kids and I have, I have a woman that works with me. So, you know, it's, you know, you can say it's 10 each, or maybe it's, you know, 13, seven, something like that. I can't give the same amount of instruction I can, and I'm hoping that everyone's learning, so I don't have to repeat it to each one. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 direct direct coaching, I think you know groups group, I wouldn't go much larger than groups of five.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. Great. That's that's me personally. Maybe someone's it can do better. Fantastic. That's for me personally. I you know two three. I think is awesome.
0: Somebody asked, can their second sport be fitness training?
1: You know, <laughs> I love that question. I, yeah.
0: I, would truly, I bet you do. <laughs> I, I would truly
1: hope so. And I'm not going to lie. I've thought about that on many occasions because I know how, um, you know, the, the tennis mentality is it's everything is tennis. I mean, it's yeah. tennis, tennis, tennis. Let's do tennis. Let's do tennis. And then I I really think that if you find somebody, and I hope I am like that, where they could, where the child can be, you know, put in different situations to develop all these different skills, then I don't see why not. It can't be. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, how important is flexibility and how do you build it? I mean, I feel like we touched on this a little bit, but in the, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no. It. Listen, it's it's important. If if you if you have a tight tight upper back or if you have tight hips, I mean, it eventually it's gonna come and bite you in, in in the tush. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's it's and how do you build? It? You got to work at it. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, I I've banged my head. I've been at uh, Club Cultiles now for years, and I banged my head. So many times, trying to get the athletes to do the warm up. And I'm very happy and proud to say that my my athletes show up, and ninety nine percent of them know they need to do it. Yeah. now, being the big pain in the butt that I am, and and it's true, I am a pain in the butt, you have to be able to do it with some intent. and And, and the same thing could be said for stretching. If you're going to sit there stretching, And have your phone open on TikTok or an Instagram or something, and you've assumed the position of stretching a hamstring, but you're not stretching a hamstring, then you're not getting the full benefit of it. And stretching is something that you actually have to be mindful of because it's easy just to stand there and not do it, but look like you're doing it.
0: Yeah. And I will say, flexibility is an individual thing. Not everybody, no matter how hard they work at it, not everybody is going to be able to do a split or be able to touch their toes. You know, it's just everybody, everybody, B-O-D-Y, not everybody, but everybody is different.
1: Yeah, yeah. If I did the splits, I would not be available for a few months. So, yeah, that's for sure.
0: Um, there's the question, what should a junior player be doing to prevent injury? I feel like we have been talking about that this whole time. So, um well,
1: you know, I, I'd, I'd like to add to that because the, okay. you know, the recovery, you know, yes, you have to work on the short, but it's the recovery process, you know, and, and people are, are looking at other things for the recovery process that they may not need to look at you know with the thera guns and and you know uh, sh- should i go for cryotherapy and all this you you need to do the basics first because if you're not getting enough sleep if your nutrition isn't good if you're not hydrating properly and you're not doing the foam rolling the stretching everything else doesn't really matter take care of the basics first again um you know as soon as you finish playing, you know, you have to start rehydrating, you have to start taking in electrolytes, you have to start, you know, the nutrition process for the body. And then lastly, especially with kids, the sleep is so important. If you're not getting nine to 10 hours of sleep, there's there's a study I would show if I could, but they showed that, you know, athletes, young junior athletes, I believe it's under the age of 14, that had less than eight Eight hours of sleep were one point times one point seven times more likely to get injured. So,
0: why do we? That's see- a huge statistic, Dean.
1: Absolutely. So, why do I see injuries increase this past week? Because all our kids were in exams, so they're going to bed later. They're more stressed. They're not eating properly. So, of course, I know at the end of June, I'm going to have a few extra uh, aches and pains.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about the importance of sleep, but you just touched on that. Um, I want uh, one question that wasn't on the list I sent you because I just thought of it this morning. Um, How should junior players prepare for the rigors of college tennis prior to their freshman year of college? And I know you've worked with several players that have come to the US to play college tennis.
1: Yeah. In terms
0: of uh, fitness. Yeah. It, like getting their fitness level ready because it's, it's culture shock It's on, it's, on many levels, but the fitness <laughs> side of it is massive culture shock.
1: Yeah. I, one, one of the things I would say is you got to get stronger. You just got to get strong. You got to put the time in the weight room and really get that body strong, you know, develop your, and one thing that I'm a big, big believer in is that you want to be able to do exercises on a single leg. So whether it's a, you know, can you single leg squat? You know, that's, can can you do, you know, a one-legged um, deadlift? Th- these exercises are crucial in developing, you know, the strength, but also the athleticism. Um, I don't care if you can squat 300 pounds, but if you can't do a one-legged squat, what's that telling you? We know we play tennis on one leg. Yeah, we set up on two, but everything is running, you know, transfer of weight from back to front, whether it's on the server, front, uh, forehand, or backhand, it truly is. We are performing the sport mainly on one leg. So I would want my athletes to get strong and powerful and and, and really um, also increase that conditioning because I know some some of the coaches really put a big emphasis on conditioning. And, you know, the first couple of weeks of practice you, – you, you don't want to look like you're out of you know you're sucking air on day one. So uh, get get in there and be physically ready to grind it out.
0: Love that. All right, final question, and we're like over our hour, but I'm I'm gonna keep going because you're too good. Oh, so <laughs> um, sweet! Thank you. Other than your website and your social media channels, do you have any other online resources that you would recommend?
1: Well, the ITPA, I think, is uh, is somewhere really to go. Where you know, Mark has done a phenomenal job with the ITPA and the COVAX Institute. I think that's really, really big. Um, depending on what kind of um, of content you're looking for. Um, they pretty much have it all in terms of he has a great movement class, uh, movement video in there. I know PTR has done some really good work with, with, with uh, I, I actually did a developmental um, uh, course uh, for exactly this that we're talking about. For mm-hmm. young a- athletes up to, you know, we, we had athletes come out, join us that were five, six years old and finished with kids that were 16. So that was a, that was a fun day.
0: Awesome. yeah, Dean Hollingworth, you are amazing. I love what you're doing. Please keep sharing those videos, sharing that content. I'm so sorry.
1: I'm so sorry it didn't work. I feel so bad Uh, about
0: it. No, no, no. Don't worry about that. We're going to have links in the show notes. So for those of you watching and listening, check out parentingaces.com or wherever you're consuming this podcast, check out the show notes for links to, uh, Dean's website and a variety of videos that he's going to share. And I'm going to share with you guys. And also, um, thanks Dean for letting me repost your stuff because we got to get it in the hands of the parents and the junior coaches and the junior players themselves. So they understand how to stay healthy out there and be able to perform at their best and, and avoid injury. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I was truly, truly enjoyed it
0: great. And to my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast for tennis parents by a tennis parent. If you like what you have heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey,